skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMulder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like age, <laughs> moving on, and people-pleasing. Yes. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. No, we're not. I just inhaled an eight-inch Jimmy John sandwich <laughs> for the first time in my life. Right before For the first time you've eaten a whole sandwich, not the first time you've had a Jimmy John sandwich. Right. Yeah. I was just so hungry, and I, we got to the studio, and we ordered sandwiches, and I literally did like a cartoon style push the entire sandwich into my mouth and I know, swallow I saw it whole. It. it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, unhinged my jaw. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, and I'm very full and, you know, sitting in. The, where is this going? I don't know why we're talking about your Jimmy John sandwich, to be honest. <laughs> this is all to say we're not professionals. No. And I'm just adjusting to this new Jimmy John's world. Yeah. <laughs> there's like pre-eating a whole Jimmy John sandwich life, and then there's post, it's and like you cream. have moved to post. Yes. Okay. So this, it's a metaphor about breakups. <laughs> the breakup is the sandwich, and you just uh -huh. got to, anyway. You just got to unhinge your jaw and take it all in, you know? <laughs> I feel like we're mixing our metaphors. <laughs> just a little bit. Okay. This is perfect proof that we are unprofessionals. We are uh -huh. not trained in this. Please take our advice as you see fit. We are obviously rambling idiots. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode 51. 51. Yes. Like Area 51. Ooh, yeah. spooky. This is going to be the alien episode. Ugh. This should have been the crossover episode with the What If podcast. Yeah, our producer's podcast is called the What If podcast. It's super funny. And they cover like supernatural or the unknown or paranormal things. Mm -hmm. uh, talk radio style, kind of like Sam and I. And it's super funny and kind of informative. <laughs> it's pretty informative, actually. They do research every episode, right. unlike us. Anyway, I've always wanted to do a crossover episode where we talk about, like, paranormal dating. Like uh, This should have been it. Yeah, Spencer, our producer, I sent him an article that was like, 
I've, I've dated a ghost and I'm pregnant with his baby. Yes. And we were like, yay, crossover episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so today's check-in topic is based on a letter from a wonderful listener named Alicia P. who is writing to us from Pacific Northwest. Um, I'm going to condense the whole episode into one question, which is, when is a good time to say I love you? When you're feeling it, should you just spit it out? Or are you overthinking? Are there good times? Are there bad thing, times? Uh, just general, like, when in a relationship do you say I love you? And how do you grapple with the hesitation that comes with something as vulnerable as that? I almost... I love I, you for the first time in the, the relationship. For the first time in the Got relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then we could actually talk about, like, how often do you say I love you in, like, yeah. a, a happy, healthy relationship? Because mm-hmm. some people need to hear it a lot and some people don't don't need to hear it a lot. <laughs> Okay, so what are what are your what is your experience with saying I love you? Are you typically the first person to say it or the or the second? Sierra. I know. Do you know me at all? <laughs> of course I'm not the first person to say it. I am uh I'm probably fifty fifty. Oh. Yeah. I mean how many people have you said it to? Way more than you. <laughs> yeah, it was like two. I, I think we've talked about this on the Patreon episode. I think that my number is up to like maybe 10 to 15. Wow. <laughs> I'm pulling that number out of my ass right now, but I, I'm not going to sit here on air and count the number of relation, relationships I've been in. But I think like, okay, I love somebody in high school. Um, yeah, it's got to be over 10 by now. Wow. Yeah. Did I mean How it? lucky are you to have been in love so often? <laughs> that is, you sound sarcastic <laughs> AF, but this is in reference to like episode 11, I think, where Olivia Gatwood talked about how she felt like... She felt a lot of shame about dating a lot, but really, when she sat with it and understood and processed her feelings, she felt like she was very lucky to spend most of her life in love. Just to explain that really quickly and to brush off Sam's sassy (laughs) bullshit. (laughs) Um, No, I'm I'm quick to I'm quick to say I love you. I'm quick to I'm I'm quick to feel lovey feelings. Mm However, I think as I get older, I'm I'm better at interpreting what it feels like to be enamored. Yeah. Or to even feel love versus being in love. Yep. Um, I think I've confused that a lot. But I, I don't feel shame about that because I like thinking of myself as like a lovey person. Somebody has the capacity to feel a lot. My heart is literally made to, to feel and to break and to to engorge. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, it's a condition. <clears throat> Anyway, my heart is meant to swell with emotion. Yes. <laughs> and so I don't have shame about that. I have too much shame for other things. I can't be ashamed of like <laughs> telling people I love them too much. <laughs> um, but so did you, so you're not the first person to say it historically. Never have been, no. In the two times you've said it? In the two times, yeah. So it's like, I mean, I say I love you to like my family and my yeah. friends, but like in relationship, only Do two you? people. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but do you, when they say it first, did you say it immediately back? Or did you say thank you? <laughs> no, I'm not Marissa Cooper from the OC. Uh, yeah, I said it back. Immediately. When they said it. Because you said felt it, because yeah. you meant it. Yeah. Yeah, but you didn't. So why didn't you say it first then? Is this because it's like a safety, like um, playing defense? Yeah, I mean a little bit of playing defense, of right? <laughs> I'm not a person that feels like the need to share my emotions with other people <laughs> <laughs> in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't know so, like, how we are so close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it was enough for me to know. That yeah. I loved that person, totally. that I didn't need to tell them until they said it to me. And then I was like, okay, great. We're both in love. And now I can say it to you as well. <laughs> but don't you see how that's like... Yeah, I know. I see how... <laughs> that that is like, uh, how do you say, pay pay to play? Sort of ex- <laughs> like a weird exchange. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is not me putting myself out there, but it's also me being like secure in my own emotions and not feeling the need not to Not having like... to say them to someone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess that's the question is, do we say I love you because we're feeling love and we want to express that? Or do we say I love you to make the other person feel loved? Mm -hmm. Is it because of our own containment of love 
Or is it because we want to express that love? Like we want to make someone feel good. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Is there a better way to say that? No. And I think that that's a really good question that I don't know the answer to. But I I think what you're saying is you just said you felt secure enough to where you didn't have to say it to Peter first. Yeah. Your husband. Mm -hmm. Um, But that I guess it comes to maybe love languages, Mm -hmm. maybe, because if... I say I love you to people because I feel it, number one, but because I want them to feel loved by me. I want them to feel good. But you must be sh- making Peter feel good Yeah. in other ways, right? Maybe it just comes down to languages. Maybe. It might. I think it, that could very they well be. They are called love languages. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I like words of affirmation is not my love language because words are cheap and you can say anything. <laughs> And not mean it in uh, any okay. way. Well, okay. And so I show my love through acts of service. You which literally is the were like, your love form. language is cheap. And not only that, your profession <laughs> and this podcast is cheap. Good, 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 cool, cool, Listen, cool, cool, cool. people can lie. <laughs> yeah, right now, like you. Uh, anyway, yes, I, I hear you, though. I understand your distrust of words. Yes, I do distrust words. And so, like, I express my love for Peter before we said I love you through. Chocolates. Driving him around <laughs> when he needed a ride places yeah. or like helping him clean up his room or like whatever it was right. that I did for him because I loved him. And I I think it is that distrust for words that makes me think like I don't need to say this because you can say I love you to anyone anytime. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like I could like turn to Spencer right now and be like, I love you. I do and like, love who, Spencer. I do love him Spencer, too. Spencer, I love great. you. No, no, but I love you. <laughs> don't listen to Sam and his cheap lies. <laughs> but like it would mean... You can just say it like it's this is turning into a conversation about love languages. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. If you want to hear more about love languages, we did an extensive series on them on our Patreon. We did. Yes. Back in, I think, April. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we broke down each love language or you can just Google it. But let me get back to Alicia's letter. I mean, her question really quickly. Yeah. Just is there a right or wrong time to say I love you? No. <laughs> I actually disagree with you. Okay. Um, I think that there are, in that there's no right and wrong answer decisions, there are just decisions that we make that impact people, blah, 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 hippie, woo-woo, bullshit. Mm -hmm. But I do think that something that people like me um, should be wary of Mm -hmm. is that I am capable of showing my love in so many different ways that if I withheld saying I love you, I might challenge myself to be a better, more open, more vulnerable a more loving partner sure. if I was forced to show myself love in a different way instead of taking the quote-unquote cheap route to say, I love you three weeks into knowing somebody, yep. you know, something like that. Although no shame to people who feel that way. I definitely have been that person mm-hmm. um, and felt those feelings, and those feelings are genuine. Um, yeah, I mean, moment. I've wanted to say I love you to, like, one-night stands <laughs> like as we're, like, cuddling. Yeah, totally. But that's because that's, like— your chemical, your brain. Yeah, your brain is like, ooh, human connection, right? <laughs> I'm so lonely. And that's the thing is like, yeah, again, like you can say I love you whenever you want to, but like love isn't just saying I love you. Right. So that's that's my my first piece of advice is to op- like bleeding hearts like me. Um, I would I would question my desire to say I love you. I would second guess it before I said, I love you. I would second guess it. And I would ask myself, are you saying this because you want to make that person feel good? Mm. Is it your authentic feelings Yep. or is your desire to make that person feel good? Like clouding your authentic feelings, I guess. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, is there a way that you can show your love in a different way just so that you can really mean it when you say it. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece of advice would be for people like you who withhold it until the other people shows their cards is that life is not, life doesn't happen in the wings, essentially, mm-hmm. of the stage, right? And that while I think you're right, you did show your love to Peter in so many ways and obviously it like, worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think to the general people who, t- who tend to, to waffle and not, and maybe withhold because they're afraid of getting hurt. I mean, our lives, our hearts are made to be broken. And so uh, who are we to not put ourselves at the mercy of human connection, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. But like maybe not like the first day you meet someone. (laughs) 
right. Yeah, listen, if anyone is telling you that they're going to like make you their wife or husband or spouse within like the first week of meeting you, that person is not good news. Uh, you know, you probably just offended like 50 to 70 percent of our listeners because I know that happens all the time. I'm going to a friend's wedding this week where on their fourth date, my friend told her future wife that she was going to marry her. That's the exception that proves the rule. Well, I don't know. We'll see how the wedding goes. <laughs> JK, JK. <clears throat> okay. So our first letter comes from Laura Denning, who's writing to us from Brisbane, Australia. Uh, Laura, I have edited your question down quite a bit um, just to get to the good meat of it. Um, but I'm sure you're okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, Laura is also an awesome listener, OG listener, who is supports us on our Patreon. That's right. Um, and half of the letter is her updating us on the relationship that she asked about via a Patreon letter. Right. Okay, so let's get into this. Laura writes, I'm here to ask about age. It's something you guys have discussed some, but largely in regards to people who are already in relationships where there may be an age-related issue. I'm ready to settle down. I want to find a partner to be serious with, build a life with, marry, have kids with, whatever. I have always gravitated towards partners who are older than me, and my most recent ex had two kids, and I got very used to the comfort of having a family and enjoying everything that comes with that. I don't think 25, which is how old I am, is very young for wanting those things either. But I know myself, and I know that I really like people who who date older. So how do I, as the younger party, show that I am ready for the same things that someone who is 30 is looking for? I would never rule anybody out based on age, but I am inevitably attracted to older people and I'm getting to the age where older means women in their 30s who are generally looking to get married, have kids, settle down, and don't seem to recognize that at 25, I can want and provide all of those things too. For example, I don't get the impression that Sierra would consider much viability in dating someone who is 25. For the record, I'm 33, just so people know the math. <laughs> but I And I I don't say that as a criticism. I'm just trying to figure out how to unpack age and, quote, life stages and how to be the exceptional 25-year-old because I know that I'm attracted to older women and that's been true my entire life. However, there is such a difference between being 16 and dating someone who's 21 and being 18 and dating someone who's 27 because of what our society pressures women, even the gay ones, to be doing in their 30s. I feel like the impression I've gotten is that they feel like I would be a waste of their more valuable time when it comes to those things. But I know I am just as ready. I'm feeling so much age shame, which is ridiculous because I'm 25. I live in a country that isn't my native one. I support myself. I'm a huge catch. But I can't help but worry. This is going to be an ongoing issue because I know I do want a partner that is older than me. I think you both have acknowledged that you usually are the younger ones in relationships and probably wouldn't date much younger. What would a younger person have to do or show to date you? Is this all making sense? I totally realize the irony here in saying I want someone who dates younger than them, but that I am not interested in dating younger people than me. In regards to that, I see that I'd just need to find someone who is compatible and therefore likes or doesn't mind dating younger. But also, where do I find this person? Mm. Love you both so much. <clears throat> All right, Laura, thank you so much for writing. I think this is a super interesting question because it delves a little bit deeper into the idea of age and power dynamics and life stages, as you called them, mm-hmm. particularly in the pressures that women feel once uh, in dating, I, which I, I think that I would um, add to your argument that I think women feel pressure to have children or have monogamous long-lasting partnerships that look like what society wants us to look like yeah very young you know i think that i i started having biological clock conversations or pressures from society in my mid-20s probably Mm -hmm. around your age now yep and uh it's true i i i think your concerns are all really valid and we can dive into them. But I first want to say that I have dated younger. Um, when I was 32. Nope. Yep. 
No, when I was 31, yeah. I dated a 26-year-old. Yeah. That was a trip. That was a yeah. great time for all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not because that person was young, but because that person was a sociopath. Uh, I have also dated someone younger than me. Just one person. Yeah. It lasted a month. It wasn't great. Uh, I, I don't know why. I think I just wanted to share that, like, just for the listeners to get to know us better. But yeah. One, I think that all dating rules are only as malleable in, as the people you meet. Meaning mm-hmm. you could meet like the perfect woman who is 21 tomorrow. Right. Who does want to have children and does want to settle down or something. Yep. And all of our dating rules will bend or break the second we meet a person that we think is compatible or interesting. Mm-hmm. And the things that we tend to assume about people equally like tend to be pretty malleable for sure that I would date somebody younger than me if I felt like they were aligned with the things that I wanted in life. Yes, absolutely. But I going to Laura's question, like how do you present what you want? How do you, I, if I, if I broke, <laughs> where are we going with this? I'm glitching. Um, <laughs> if I broke Laura's question down into the most simple question, it would be, how do I, a 25 year old, make myself more appealing to women in their 30s? <clears throat> and I guess my question for you, Laura, is why are you making this assumption that women in their 30s are inherently more ready to settle down than others? Or more mature. Exactly. Because I think... I do think there's something to be said about people being older tending to settle down in their social lives, right? Like your hangovers are worse. (laughs) You tend to prioritize money differently. You want to buy a house. So like your lives do look a little bit more. It's really all because of the hangover. Like that's the. (laughs) Hondo Pacento. Oh, good. We got it in. Yep. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, And I think, Laura, that, that like just to be real blunt about it, yep. like this fetishization of older women right now is probably very off-putting to the older women that you're pursuing. Like it's, it is very unattractive when a young person come up, comes up to you and is like, oh, I really want to date you because you're older. Like I only date older people. Like, oh, I hate the people my own age. I just want to date older people. Like, because then it just distills them down into one thing about them that they might not really relate to right and so so like this idea that like older women are your solution to the fact that you are having difficulty finding someone who's ready to make the commitment that you want to make is not actually a solution to the problem it is a it is a temporary fix or like a fixation that is not actually getting to the fact that you are having difficulty meeting people who are who want the same things that you want right and people who are older don't inherently want the same things that you want just because they're older right and so like this this fixation on it is not actually getting at the heart of the problem which is like how do you meet people who are ready to settle down right and i would add to sam's slight drag <laughs> and say and and do like an uplifting drag great love it <clears throat> i tear them down you build them up <laughs> yeah and laura you want to know how you are you become more attractive to older women is you are 100 percent yourself mm-hmm. you don't have to present something you don't have to there's not like a magic thing you can do to to communicate to older people or people that are in relationships this who want the type of relationships you want, there's not like a magic thing to do that. You just have to be yourself. You have mm-hmm. to be your authentic, mature, kind, stable self yep. to, to say, this is what I want. This is what I can foster. This is what I can offer. Yep. So I was really interested in the stuff that you brought up in this letter. But to me, it comes down to... Uh, don't pigeonhole people into their ages because that's what you don't want them to do to you. Exactly. And number two, you can attract what you want by being what you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can, if I met somebody going back to me, because it's all about me, (laughs) she evoked me so I can talk about myself. She did call you out. 
Um, Laura, if I were a single 33-year-old woman right now and I met somebody who was 25 who was fulfilling my life in the way and stabilizing and enriching and bringing joy to my life and they had everything that I needed in a partner, I would not think twice about dating that person Mm -hmm. if they matched what I brought to the table. Yep. And that's not even in, like, I don't need them to own a house. I don't need them to have $100,000 in savings, because who the fuck has that? <laughs> and if you do, please subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> it's only five fucking dollars a month. <laughs> you can totally afford that yeah, with yeah, yeah, $100,000 yeah, yeah. in that bank account. Um, I, I think that you are feeling really discouraged because dating is discouraging. It is, yep. And I think that feeling like time is passing can be a little bit anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. and time that isn't passing fast enough is also anxiety inducing. I think dating, I think the love world makes us want to be where we are not. Yep. Right? We want to be older. We want to be richer. We want to be more attractive. We want to be not single. We want to be in the past where this person loved us, right? And we really fight the present so much. But right now, you are 25, and literally tomorrow, you're going to be 30. <laughs> and the day after that, you're going to be 45. You're going to think, dang, remember when I was, I felt bad. Remember when I felt insufficient as yeah. a 25 year old? Yep. And don't get me wrong, I don't think I would <laughs> pay any amount of money to go back in time because I feel the most like myself right now. Mm-hmm. But but this is all about being present, being grateful, and not pigeonholing the people that you don't want to pigeonhole you. Yep. Yeah, and I think that that's what is most attractive about people is is like that confidence or that that sense of security and that sense of self that makes you know like, oh, I know where this person is at, and I can meet them wherever they're at, or I can we have similar values or like the things that we are into are aligning, or that person is really at like feels like they've got it figured out and but like here are ways in which we can support each other right it i think that that is what you need to cultivate and like your 20s is the perfect time to do that right yes. the 20 your 20s is the perfect time for you to figure out who you are what you want what you're looking for and i don't want you to say like i can't wait until i get to the point where i'm 30 or 35 and i can finally like settle down or like find that 35 year old to give me that sense of self that i'm mm-hmm. lacking the reality is, is that like now is the time to find that sense of self. And from that will come a meaningful relationship that will lead to being able to to settle down and yeah. find the things that you want. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say, Laura, is now is a great time to practice your boundary setting. Mm. And and by that, I mean, in your dating experience moving forward, you should be able to say, I'm looking for a long term committed relationship. I'm interested in having children. Yep. If you are not interested in these things, we are not compatible. Yep. And there's not a fault. There's not you're not hurting them. Nope. You're not betraying yourself. You're not leading them on. You're being so honest. You're being so forward and you're you are being your own advocate. You're saying, this is what I want to build in my life. So I'm going to put it out in the universe and see what happens. with Absolutely. That. And there are probably 25 year olds around you that are thinking the same thing. Yeah, totally. Right. Uh, there's a bunch of there uh, a bunch of people who are feeling the same thing and they're all different ages and they're all different, you know, everything. Yeah. <laughs> they're all they're all over. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Laura, thank you so much for being a Patreon subscriber. Thanks for being an OG Just Break Up fan. We hope this helps. We We love love you. you. (laughs) Uh, At the same time. (laughs) All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. 
That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from... We weren't from- afraid to say it. <laughs> That's right. See, see how often I say I love you? You just want me to say it to you more often, I know. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right, this letter is from Natasha B., who is also writing from Australia. Natasha writes, I need some serious advice. I feel I've gotten myself into quite an unfavorable situation that doesn't align with my morals and values, and I'm not really sure what to do. I am gay and recently broke up with my girlfriend of a year. It was a horrible, drawn-out, and emotionally draining breakup, mostly because neither side wanted to end it Mm. ultimately we knew we both had to break up in order to grow and be better for one another in the long run it was her first gay relationship and she was dealing with a lot of issues around self-acceptance she had a lot of shame associated with her sexuality and felt she needed to be by herself to sort through it even though she loved me so much and wanted a future with me she's also a bit older than me and feels that she doesn't have much time before she needs to start focusing on having kids and settling down. Hey, we were just talking about that. We really were. We decided to end things and focus on ourselves and said if it was meant to be, we will eventually find our way back to each other. I didn't deal with it well, and I am currently so heartbroken and sad about it coming to an end. So I looked for a distraction, and here was my mistake. I started talking to people on dating sites just to take my mind off of it all and remind myself that there are other great people out there. I met this amazingly wonderful girl online, and before I knew it, we were spending so much time together laughing and going on some amazing dates. She is so great and has such a great heart and everything I thought that I wanted in someone. Problem is, I cannot get my ex out of my head. I cry nearly every day about her and carry such guilt that I am potentially being disingenuous to this current girl I am seeing. This girl I am dating is so serious about me, and I can tell wants so many things, but I just feel my heart can't love in the same way again. 
I look for my ex everywhere I go, and so many small things remind me of her. When I do intimate things with this current girl I am seeing, I just want to cry afterwards because I miss my ex and love her, and sometimes even images of her will flash into my head at those moments. Every night before I go to sleep, I still imagine her laying next to me and think about all the amazing times we had together. I don't know what to do and feel so guilty that I have all these emotions about an ex when I am seeing someone new. This current girl I am dating is so wonderful, and we get on so incredibly well. She makes me laugh so much, has the biggest heart, and I am very attracted to her. I just find that right now I don't feel anywhere near how I felt initially about my ex when we started dating. At that time, I was genuinely excited to be with someone and remained extremely present in every moment. Currently, I just feel the need to cry a lot of the time. I don't know whether to be honest and transparent about my current emotional state and potentially lose her completely, or just try to work through it myself and hope time will fix the pain I am feeling. I also just feel so crap about myself, and I don't know who to talk to about all this. Thanks for any advice. Keep up the good work. I absolutely love listening to you both. Aw, thanks Thank so you, much. Natasha. Thanks so much for writing. Um, okay, so you're like, I don't know what to do, but you do know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new episode, or the new <laughs> podcast title. Yeah, <laughs> you know what to do. Yeah, a relationship advice podcast. <laughs> Uh, Natasha, first I want to say, hey, I'm sorry your heart is hurting. Yeah. It it sucks to break up. It sucks to be in love and then to be not in the presence of that love anymore. Yeah, for sure. It's, it just fucking sucks. I want to say, though, that just because you're feeling lonely, just because you're missing your ex, just because you feel like you can't emotionally show up to this new potential thing... That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Loneliness does not mean you are a broken or a, a bad person. You're just hurting and your your heart doesn't know how to let it out. Mm-hmm. But we're going to give you a little bit of tough love right now just because we think that you need to be pushed into what you know you, you already know, yeah. basically. And yeah, well, maybe before the tough love, I want to say it's also really okay to have feelings for more than one person at the same time absolutely we want people we want to think that we are much more simple creatures than we are that we have the capacity to only love one person really well that we don't have the capacity to feel both grief and joy at the same time but that's just a fallacy that we're creating in our heads to create more tension and more shame to keep ourselves down (laughs) (laughs) the fact you can be like playful and interested and joyful in this new relationship, but you can also really miss your ex and be dr- depressed, be grieving it. Like grief comes out in such dr- interesting ways. Yep. But now we have to come to a point of action. Right now, you have to hold yourself accountable to what you know is true. Basically, you have to parent yourself, right? Mm-hmm. That you're allowing yourself to move things forward with this person while not being completely present and not really feeling great about it. You don't mm-hmm. feel great about this yep. or else you wouldn't have written to us um, with such vulnerability. And, and, and like, it sounds like you've got a little bit of self-loathing in it for the situation that you put yourself in. For sure. And I don't want you to think that, um, that in some way that you are broken because of this, but the issue is, is that in times of grief, you need to have the time and space in order to grieve. Right. Right. It's like when my dad died and I uh, immediately tried to go back to work and then realized, like, I couldn't do these two things at the same time. Right. And it was going to be easier for me to focus on work than it was to focus on getting through the grief. Yes. Right. And so that, that is, is so real. Say it again. <laughs> uh, it would have been easier for me to focus on work and distract myself with that and and put all of my time and energy into work than it was to go through the grief. To lean into that really, really uncomfortable pain. Absolutely. And I knew that, but I also knew that if I did that, that it would harm me in the long run. Right? Yes, if absolutely. I, if I focused on that work instead of processing through the death of my dad and like all of the pain and anger and sadness that went with all of that, um, then that would just continue to be reverberate through the rest of my life unless I was able to take that time and space in order to process it in the moment, which isn't to say that it's not going to continue to be an issue, but but I am in a healthier state because I was able to sit in that and work through it. A hundred percent. And I think, oh, not a hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
First of all, say it right if you're going to mock me. <laughs> I'm going to put it on a teacher. You just watch me. <laughs> this is actually, we should do that, and then we can see who's right about this this phrase. Hondo <laughs> percento. We'll see how many shirts sell, and then <laughs> I will shut my mouth if it sells out. Sells more than 10? Is that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that our wager? <laughs> sure. All right, folks, you know what to do. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Natasha. Anyway, Natasha. Um, <laughs> and so I think, Natasha, my advice for you is that it's really hard to grieve heartbreak when you are focusing on the, another person and on the ways in which you are being inadequate for that other mm-hmm. person. Right. Like the ways in which this grief that you haven't been able to process through is now making you incapable of being present in the way that you want to be present. Right. And I think that I would I I'm not in the realm of thought that people can't be heartbroken and fall in love. Like, I think you can. I think you can be heartbroken and then find a new love and move on. But to me the the chronic crying what sounds like a season of depression to me yep. tells me that you are are truly not ready to mm-hmm. move into a new space of love and healing that you haven't done enough of that for yourself yet yep. that doesn't mean that this person isn't good and funny and attractive and compatible that doesn't negate any of that it yep. means that you cannot like proficiently show up for that person mm-hmm. and that relationship right now. So just like Sam had a choice between going back to work and taking time to heal, you have a choice of staying with this person and building the relationship over this wound, mm-hmm. or you have a choice of looking at this wound, healing it, treating it, allowing it to breathe, giving it time to heal, mm-hmm. or maintaining this relationship and let it fester yep. under it. Yep. And because that's that's the reality. And you can say this to this person. You can say, I am so into you. I'm so attracted to you. I think you're so funny and so charming and so compatible. I realize that I moved on too quickly and I have two options now. I can either take time to heal so that I can be better and more present and more capable of loving you potentially in the future Mm -hmm. if you choose to see me ever again. Or I can keep lying to myself and not showing up to you 100%. Yep. And guess what? That's the risk you're going to take because this person might not want to never, they might not want to talk to you ever again. Absolutely. But pretending that you are, that pretending that you are someone you're not in this relationship doesn't make a healthy relationship, right? right? And you are someone right now. Oh my God, say that again. Pretending that you are someone you're not in this relationship is not going to make a healthy relationship. And if you are someone who is processing through this grief of this heartbreak, which is 100% legitimate, right? Like, just because your heart is broken doesn't mean that you are broken, right? But it does mean that you, that, like, your heart needs care. It needs treatment. And this new person needs to be treated well. Absolutely. And that's the other side of the coin, right? And the fallacy is we treat people well by hiding the things that are wrong with us. Absolutely. But guess what? That's that's sick love. That's that's, not that's mm -mm. that's not proficient love. No, it's not. Um Yeah, and I think you That's also how I love my entire life, so (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. It's fine. Uh and it's it's not fair to you and it's not fair to her to be feeling this way and to not be able to put this out in the open to right. not be able to air it out. It's you're just hurting yourself and you're hurting this person. I totally agree. Which is, I'm having trouble with this because I do think that like, there's no, and there's also like no point in which heartbreak like ever <laughs> fixes itself. <laughs> uh, bruh, we are literally trying to make money off of a podcast in which we help but people like, heal from heartbreak. So way right. to because pull I the rug want... out from under us. <laughs> but I also feel like people often hold themselves back from like, Dating Happiness, people totally. because they are like, well, I'm still heartbroken over this this person. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to I I feel like the advice that we're giving you is based on you and what you've told us. Oh. Right. Your specific circumstances make me feel like the heartbreak that you're feeling right now isn't allowing you to be with this other I person. Totally fully. Agree. There is there might be a point where you're heartbroken. Your heartbreak is still there, but you are also able to show up in the in the way that you want to. Yeah. And I think that's the issue is that like because of this, you're not able to show up in the way that you want to in this relationship. And so if that's not happening, then don't do it. Yeah. And let me volley off of the point that you're making right now, Sam, which is something I was kind of thinking about earlier. If if you really see 
a future with this person. Well, person that you have to number one, give your time self time and space to heal. Mm-hmm. Number two, you need to stop comparing this person to your ex. Yep. This relationship, the way you felt in your first relationship, it's never going to match this relationship because they are not the same. Nope. You are not the same person. Right. And number three, you need to be transparent with this person about where you are at. Mm-hmm. Um, that Maybe that doesn't look like, hey, I'm still in love with my ex. I'm heartbroken, yada, yada. But it is like, hey, I really see a future with us. I need to take some time to reset my thinking or I, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, fuck the other person. You need to be transparent with yourself. Yep. Because it sounds like you just haven't grieved the relationship at all. Mm-hmm. Right. You haven't. You need to do some work to say, okay, I'm going to put you to bed. I'm going to put this relationship to sleep. I'm going to mourn it. I'm going to grieve it. I'm going to honor it. And then I'm going to put it down because I deserve to move on with this new love, yep. this good new love. Yep, absolutely. All right, Natasha, we hope, we hope this helps. Uh, we love you and we believe in the future of your love. Absolutely. Thanks so much for writing. All right. Our last letter is from Jane Smith, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, SNS. So much love for your podcast and for both of you. Love that they wrote SNS. Because Spencer's name also starts with an S. So us collectively, we're just like the sound that snakes make. (laughs) (laughs) I travel full time for work. And by travel, I mean crossing borders every second or third day for the last three and a half years. Six months ago, I stopped working and moved in with my partner. We were both so excited to finally have time together for longer than two nights before I would leave again. For me, I was so happy to unpack the suitcase and have regular friends and stability. He was already looking to move houses, so we ended up moving into a new apartment, and two of his friends uh, joined us in the move. I was excited. I was so excited that I came home with all sorts of crazy presents to make the place a home, including a Christmas tree I had bought, I had brought from another country. That's right. I battled the busy streets of Paris wearing high heels, carrying a tree twice my size because (laughs) I was so looking forward to making this place a home and having my first Christmas in years with friends. In summary, these guys, the roommates, hated me before they ever met me. I suspect they were scared that I would take away their friend time But I honestly cannot think of any reason why they would go on to treat me the way they did so soon. They started not doing any chores. Dishes would be left out for a whole week with leftover food in them, I kid you not. They would expect me to vacuum, do the bins, scrub the showers, etc. I felt like a housemaid. I was trying to still bond with them, so I would suggest day trips to explore the country more as we were all expats. I even organized a car for the day before uh, the day, but then they canceled. I suggested lasagna nights, game nights, etc., and they continually rejected my attempts to get to know each other. I had quit my job to spend a season living with my partner, so I was unemployed while they worked with great wages. We were living in Switzerland, which is very expensive, and despite being the unemployed one, I was buying food for four people as they would eat my food without asking or replacing it. They went into my room and took three bottles of wine that were gifted to me. They played music loudly at 4 a.m., not knowing... Uh, knowing that I had to be up early. They wrote rude comments on my Instagram photos about how shit my camera was, and I woke up to that comment on my birthday, which they totally ignored before telling me to make them a cake for their birthday three days later. I asked for a house meeting, and out of respect for my partner, I was dedicated to making this work. So despite feeling like I I was owed an apology, I was the one to apologize to them and say that I want things to work and ask what I can do to help the situation. Things got worse from there. One of them even yelled at me in public in a restaurant after he locked himself out of the house, blaming me that he forgot the key. It was mortifying. The other day, the uh, the other one would make animal noises at me while I cooked breakfast near his room. And he also scoffed at me and rolled his eyes whenever I spoke. So I learned to stop speaking around him. I can't figure out where I went wrong. And I've tried to analyze myself and understand what I did wrong when I ask They said I was, quote, malicious for remembering things like how often they didn't do their dishes and because I never tried to to bond with them. I was hurt because they said no to several times I tried to do something fun with them. I ended up leaving six weeks before I had planned to get out of the toxic living situation. It was having a huge impact on my mental well-being, and I started resenting myself. I noticed since that that I 
filter everything I say as I worry I will be scoffed at. My friends and family that I'm, say that I'm quieter and make less jokes now. I actually feel traumatized by living with these guys. When I told my partner, he said I shouldn't use the word trauma. He is the type of non-confrontational person who is happy to do something to do someone else's dishes every single day rather than to say anything. We're all around 26 or 27 years old. We have lived in shared houses before, and I really think they're old enough to have basic consideration for others. I love my boyfriend. I know he is different to me, and he doesn't believe he should. I should be affected by it. I should brush it off and move forward. But I'm stuck. I feel like he failed to have my back when I needed him. He should have said something to his friends because it didn't work when I tried. Am I being unrealistic in thinking it was wrong of my boyfriend to not stand up for me? In four months of witnessing them act so poorly towards me. I love him, but I guess it all boils down to this. Can you move past hurt? How do you decide you love someone more than you hate how they acted and move past it? Should I move past it or is this a deal breaker? Personally, I want to stay together. I question if I am being delusional and or unreasonable. Any input would be greatly appreciated. This is tearing my relationship apart. Mm. Jane, thank you so much for writing. I am so sorry that you had such a shitty experience. Yeah. It sounds awful. They sound like dicks. Yeah, mega dicks. <laughs> for real. They sound like misogynists, actually. Oh, they definitely <laughs> they do. They sound like they yeah. hate women mm-hmm. and are uh, yeah, they men. View them maybe. as maids. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, mothers. Yeah, for sure. And animals. Yes. Interesting. They sound really awful. Totally. Uh, A couple things to clarify before we move into some advice. You are absolutely allowed to be traumatized by something like this. Yeah. For me, the working definition of trauma is something that... Uh, alters your understanding of your safety and place and worth in the world, mm-hmm. right? And and that can really be anything. It can be um, a hurtful comment that somebody said to you when you were in third grade about your teeth that you haven't forgotten since then. Ta-da. Thanks, Andrew, you fucker. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Very specific. Just kidding. Not kidding. Okay. <laughs> uh, or it can be um, it can be physical trauma. It can be uh, emotional trauma. It can be from a, a myriad of experiences. Trying to make trauma be something, the capital T, um, horrifying car accident type of thing. Yep is just going to belittle and uh, lessen our ability to heal ourselves, mm-hmm. right? That we are all, we all have different levels of resiliency. We all have different life experiences, um, but but we are all still very malleable and nuanced and, and able to be rewired at the slightest thing. And this isn't slight. This is terrible. Like li- feeling unsafe in your living space is one of the worst, most anxiety producing things ever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, number one, trauma is trauma is trauma. Whatever you want, you can use that word. Yep. And fuck your boyfriend for (laughs) saying you can't. (laughs) He sounds like a real dick, too. Just kidding. (laughs) He doesn't, but, like, also. Yeah, like, come on, bro. And so, I I do want to talk about the relationship a little bit, but the underlying thing in this letter for Sam and I is that... The one person that I don't see in this letter coming, like the one person is the letter that I see uh, betraying you the most is yourself, Mm. Jane. Uh, And I don't uh, I hope that doesn't come off in a victim blaming way. You didn't ask for this. You didn't deserve it. You did nothing to deserve the treatment that they um, made you endure. Yep. Um, But I do wonder why your first thought is to say, what what did I do wrong to deserve this treatment Mm -hmm. not why are these men so mentally ill Mm -hmm. and unable to respect uh and be kind to other people absolutely yeah and i think that that's the the biggest thing here right is that like these you can't control what these men did to you right like you can't control their actions you can't you can't talk them into liking you or do the right things to get them to stop treating you like shit, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there might have been, there might be ways in which you could do that, but like, it's clear that these guys didn't want any of that. But that's not a reflection on you or who you are or anything that you did. That's a reflection on them and the own their own bullshit that they're going through that they are then putting out into the world because of 
whatever, misogyny or like toxic masculinity or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing that you can do to get them to not be that way. The only thing that you can do is know that you didn't ask for this. Mm -hmm. You didn't, none of the things that you did caused this to happen. Um, And so I want you to, to feel confident in knowing that and, and take away some of that blame around how did I mess up this relationship to say, I didn't mess up this relationship. I am a good person who did good things in this, Mm -hmm. in this house with these people and they treated me really poorly. Mm -hmm. That's it. Period. And that's it. Right. The other thing I want to bring up before we talk about how to move forward in your relationship is something that I had to learn, Jane, which is that uh, I think that you and I are kindred spirits in that we think that loving people or earning people's love and respect is self-sacrificial, the ultimate giving of yourself. And I can, I can read that in every line of your letter saying, I wanted to do this. So I did this. I, I, I suggested this. I wanted to be close, so I offered them this. And then when we had a mediation, I was the one to apologize and yep. ask, what can I do? Yep. And I think that it's, it is a fallacy of nurturers that love is the ultimate self-sacrifice, that love is laying yourself out um, in the middle of a puddle so that they can walk across you so that they don't get wet. Yep. But that's not love. That's self-abuse. Yep. Right. That's not love. That's you betraying your own needs and your own boundaries again and again so that they can walk all over you. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you are not to blame for this. This is their own character flaws. But moving forward, I want you to know that you can love people without completely emptying yourself. You can love people without betraying or disrespecting your boundaries. That real love, real love is saying you just hurt my feelings and I expect an apology. Mm-hmm. Real love is saying, I don't appreciate you treating me that way. I love you and I deserve better from you. Yep. Real love is accountability. It's boundaries. It's transparency. And I just want you to know that moving forward, especially with your partnership, which we'll talk about now, in your partnership, you cannot be all forgiving and all understanding. You have to say at one point or another, I was so uncomfortable in the living situation that you and I went into as a partnership that I chose to leave six weeks earlier rather than staying with you, my significant other, who A, didn't validate my experience Mm -hmm. and B, didn't stand up for somebody, two people that were repeatedly disrespecting me. So where does does Jane's self-advocacy in this story? Absolutely. And Jane, this is... This is coming from a place of, I totally understand what you're going through because I am the same way. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're a people pleaser. Right. Like you, and, and I am the exact same way, right? Like my self of, my sense of self-worth comes from whether or not people like me. Hundo percento. (laughs) Last time I'll say it, I promise. Uh, And so, and so I will do whatever it takes I will erase whatever part of me needs to be erased in order mm-hmm. to get that person who's standing in front of me to like me. And that is not a good and healthy way to live because it erases so many different parts of me. It folds me down into a tiny, tiny space so that I don't take up any space that I don't think I'm worthy of taking up. And so I want you and me too, like mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. <laughs> some real self-talk here. Mm-hmm. Um to know that sometimes people just don't like us and we can't explain why they don't like us. And in the end, at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I'm dancing. <laughs> Which in the is not to say, studio. like, don't be an asshole. Like, don't make people not like you and then be like, well, I don't care if they don't like me. Like, but that's their on dislike them. dislike of you, these two dickwads off no. in Switzerland, their dislike of you is <clears throat> so inconsequential to your worth and Absolutely. presence in the world. Absolutely. And I feel you bringing those people-pleasing tendencies into this conversation with your boyfriend as well. Mm. And I want you to say, again, I'm allowed to take up space. I'm allowed to be hurt by this. I am allowed to ask for accountability Mm -hmm, from my mm -hmm. boyfriend, who is, first of all, erasing my experience, and secondly, choosing the side of these two dicks who treated me poorly just so that he doesn't have to have a confrontation with them. And I think it's perfectly, perfectly valid for you to be angry about that, for you to ask for accountability, for you to ask for some sort of action to to validate your experience Mm -hmm. and to 
change the way that he is behaving. So let's not talk about what uh, is right of you to ask of your boyfriend or or moving forward. I want to I want to know, Jane, what does accountability look like to you in this situation? It yep. all all dynamics erased. What could you what could your boyfriend do right now mm-hmm. to make this right? Yep. And there has to be action. It's not just, it can't just be like, oh, I'm sorry, let's be happy now, yeah. right? Like, what would what would rectify this for you? Yeah. What would make you feel empowered by your partner? For sure. And I, I would caution you, Jane, against saying he needs to confront his roommates or like some sort of ex- external action. I think that what is at the root of this issue that is probably hurting you the most mm-hmm. is the fact that he is invalidating what you went through mm. by not seeing it, by not accepting it, by not saying it's real. And I think that that has to be the start of the healing process between you and your boyfriend is that he has to say, yes, what you went through was real. Mm-hmm. You didn't make it up in your head. I see it. I see you. And I see that you are hurting because of it. Mm-hmm. And if he can't do that, then then even if he confronts his roommates, even if he kicks them out of the apartment, the the core of the issue is still going to be there. Because right. the issue here is that he's telling you that what happened to you didn't happen to you. And that's not acceptable. Right. Absolutely. We hope this helps, Jane. We really appreciate you writing. Good luck moving forward, being strong. You deserve it. You deserve all of these healthy boundaries and respect. We love you. Thank you for writing. All right, that brings us to the last part of our episode, which is the blind date segment. Every episode, we shout out something we want to send you home with. This week, we want to set you up with... Okay, so it's a fitness app. Oh, fitness app. Yeah, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know why I love telling you to F off so much. Uh... So it's a fitness app, and I know uh, that everybody has different uh, relationships with their fitness, different relationships with their bodies, and this is just surely an app that I love for what I like to do with my body. Mm -hmm. So uh, take it or leave it as you see fit, but I really enjoyed using this app over the last couple months. Um, I really don't like suggest things Mm -hmm. unless I'm truly obsessed with them. Our friends knows this, that like when I'm into something i'm obsessed with it and i i either love something a thousand percent or don't use it at all Mm -hmm. and so i really love this app it's called aptive a-a-p-t-i-v and it's going to be for the folks out there who enjoy uh doing uh different types of workouts like strength training or running outdoors or yoga or meditation or i don't know treadmill running things mm-hmm. like that what i love about it is like it's essentially like a little personal trainer and i need to be my style of fitness or activity is i need to be told what to do and mm-hmm. when to do it and how to do it and for how long that's like and, me and sex yeah <laughs> Uh, that's funny um for how long yep exactly please touch me here for 30 seconds in the circular motion (laughs) anyway um i enjoy it because it also like it i like things like fitbits and stuff that like tell you like great job you know i need Uh i always need constant affirmation as you know maybe you'll say i love you to me and show me your butt at some point (laughs) um anyway uh I enjoy it because there there are like hundreds of different workouts to choose from and there's a little uh trainer in your ear telling you how to do things, when to do them and telling you like good job and stuff and it chooses it all for you so it takes like the stress of deciding things out of it. And yeah. to be honest, my girlfriend is really into CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I know. <laughs> well, I, it looks her makes her body look She never talks banging. about it though, which is great. No, she never talks about it, but she's she's like well, it's because she's kind of like a border collie. Like she has really high energy, so she has to go and get her energy out. Got it. Yeah. You know, so it's more like that than a, than about like a physique thing. But I mean, she's jacked. So no, she's gorgeous. Anyway. Um, oh, if you guys want to meet my girlfriend, we ah. are interviewing her on the Patreon at some point in the next week or so. Yeah. I can't remember when it's coming out. I don't know either. Uh, but it's five dollars a month if you want to hear my girlfriend's voice. <laughs> I do. I know. I feel like that's pretty enticing, right? Okay. Anyway, Aptive, the app, um, why I brought up my girlfriend is that she pays a large amount of money to go to her gym for a year. You know, it's a mm-hmm. big chunk of change. And this app is not free. 
but it's $15 a month. Mm -hmm. And that is like, I don't know, one fifteenth of what she pays to go to the gym year round. And she really likes it. So this is all to say that if you are interested in being physically active in the ways that I said before, if you're interested in um, fitness in one way or another in the way that I am, check out this app. I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Awesome. It's called Aptive. Aptive. (laughs) Two A's at the beginning? Yeah. Great. All right. That brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can send us all questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find tickets to our live show happening on Saturday, July 27th at Honey. And you can find our merchandise, all our cute Just Break Up t-shirts. And eventually you're going to see that 100% (laughs) shirt. Can't wait. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. And please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us at $5 a month on Patreon, you get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's $5 a month for an additional weekly episode. This helps us keep the lights on, and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. And if you subscribe this month, you'll get to hear my girlfriend's voice and hear her name. We've never actually said it on air. No. She's like a big secret. Yeah, totally. Uh, original music recording, editing, and producing by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, guess what? Communication is actually hard. <laughs> <laughs> How is this an affirmation? <laughs> Stick with me, buddy. <laughs> That's like every conversation we've ever had. How is this an affirmation? How are you being nice to me? Okay, <laughs> listen, friends. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. (laughs) Okay. As I was saying, (laughs) (laughs) communicate. What what I'm trying to say is that communication is hard and it's not intuitive and that to actually, we are never truly taught fully how to communicate our feelings we have to teach ourselves we have to show up for ourselves we have to be our own advocate and to lean into that discomfort to lean into our truth to empower ourselves to say what we really need to say to put up those boundaries to stop saying those lies to take up space to leave those relationships to demand to be treated better it's okay to use your voice but i'm here to say that it's not always easy but it is right and if all else fails. Just break up. (laughs) 